Hello and welcome to the Luxembourg History Podcast, brought to you by RTL Today. My name's Tom Tutton and I'm your host for our first series. Today we're looking at the history of religion in Luxembourg. We'll look at the origins of Christianity in the Grand Duchy, tell the stories of Luxembourg's patron saints, and discover how religion has evolved in the Grand Duchy up to the present day. We hope you enjoy the podcast. So how did Christianity reach Luxembourg in the first place? Well, the introduction of Christianity to Luxembourg followed broadly the same patterns that were repeated across Northern Europe in the first millennium. Christians initially faced persecution in the Roman Empire, but in 313, the Emperor Constantine the Great issued the Edict of Milan, decriminalizing the worship of Christ, and in 380, under the Edict of Thessalonica, Christianity officially became the state religion of the empire. By the early 4th century, work had begun on a church in Augusta Trevororum, the Roman city known today as Trier, just over the border in Germany. From Trier, religion began to be spread into the area we now know as Luxembourg, but despite the Christianization of the Franks, who would rule the region for the next three centuries, the native pagan religions of the local population remained strong until around the 600s. The big change was brought about by a certain monk called Willibrod, otherwise known as the patron saint of Luxembourg. The story of St. Willibrod is rather remarkable for his age. He was from simply nowhere near modern-day Luxembourg. In fact, he was born near York in northern England in around 658. As a child, Willibrod joined the Abbey of Ripon before entering the tutelage of St. Wilfrid, the Bishop of York. Willibrod joined the Benedictines and was trained and based at Rathmelsch in County Carlow, Ireland, for around 12 years. Then, aged 32, Willibrod set his sights on mainland Europe, leading 11 other Carlow-based monks on a mission to the Frisian lands on the north sea coast of the modern-day Netherlands, where Willibrod first established a monastery, then a cathedral in Utrecht. Willibrod had a reputation as a talented proselytizer, being referred to as the Apostle by the Frisians to the point that in 695 he was consecrated a bishop by Pope Sergius I. In 698, a noble widow by the name of Ermina of Uren granted Willibrod land to build a monastery on the site of a Roman villa owned by the Diocese of Trier. This monastery would come to be known as the Abbey of Eschternach, which remained for centuries the most important religious institution in the whole of Luxembourg. And Willibrod had powerful backers. Ermina's son-in-law was Pepin of Herstal, the de facto king of the Franks. And Pepin's son was none other than Charles Martel founder of the Carolingian dynasty and victor against a Muslim force at the Battle of Tours in 732. The Abbey of Eshtenash's importance was emphasised by the fact that Charles Martel had his son baptised there in 714. Willibrod finally died in Eshtenash in 739, aged 81, and he was soon canonised. His death is still commemorated by his feast day on November 7th, and Willibrod is remembered today as the patron saint of Luxembourg. He's also honoured every year by the UNESCO-recognised tradition known as the Eshtenash Hopping Procession. After Willibrod's death, the Abbey of Eshtenash quickly became a place of pilgrimage, and it grew into one of the most important centres of medieval Christianity. But it was not the only powerful church in the area. Important abbeys were founded at Stavelo and St Hubert to the northwest, at Prum to the north, and at Metlash to the southeast. Furthermore, in Trier, the Abbey of Saint-Maximin would have a large impact on the reigns of the First Counts of Luxembourg, after the castle of Luxembourg was founded by Siegfried in 963. And this takes us on to our next important early Christian figure in Luxembourg, Siegfried's daughter Saint Kunigund, the patroness of Luxembourg. Kunigund was born circa 975, one of Siegfried's 11 children with Hedwig of Nordgau. She was probably named after her grandmother Kunigunda of France, who was herself a granddaughter of the Frankish king Louis II. Throughout her life, Kunigund was said to be extremely pious, and she apparently always wished to be a nun. 
This probably would not serve her family's dynastic ambitions, however, so she was actually married off to Henry, the Duke of Bavaria. There are questions over the nature of this marriage, however. Some sources suggest that the marriage was a spiritual one, which was never actually consummated. What is certain is that their union did not produce an heir, but there has been a suggestion that this was by mutual agreement and that Kunigund had actually taken a vow of virginity with the consent of Henry before the two married in 999. Now it could be that this is true and that they really did have a so-called white marriage, but it's probably more likely that hagiographers misinterpreted a childless marriage as a celibate one. Henry was already the Duke of Bavaria by the time they had married, but he went on to become King of Germany in 1002 and King of Italy in 1004, and he was finally coronated as Holy Roman Emperor in Rome in 1014. Cunigund was both politically active and devoutly religious throughout her life with Henry, and she was crowned Queen of Germany in 1002 alongside her husband. But one particular source of trouble for her was her brothers. Siegfried's sons had done really rather well for themselves. The eldest son Henry had succeeded his father as Count of Luxembourg and had also been made Duke of Bavaria by the Holy Roman Emperor in 1004. Frederick, meanwhile, had become Count of Salm, while Dietrich was Bishop of Metz and Adalbert sought to get himself elected Archbishop of Trier. This concentration of power among the House of Ardennes-Luxembourg was a real threat to the Holy Roman Emperor Henry, despite the fact that they were all his brothers-in-law. An argument over the Archbishopric of Trier escalated into a full-blown war between them, which lasted around eight years. Emperor Henry even confiscated the Duchy of Bavaria off Henry of Luxembourg in 1009, but when the dispute was finally settled, thanks to Kunigund's help, he returned it in 1017. And Kunigund's saintliness was confirmed by two miracles that she apparently performed. The first came when she was accused of adultery, but she walked over hot irons without injury to prove her innocence. Then, threatened by a fire that was approaching her and her maid, she performed the sign of the cross to extinguish the blaze. Apart from her miracles, Kunigund was also a wise co-ruler, advising her husband and encouraging him to donate land to the church, which she did so successfully that Henry was later canonised by Pope Eugene III in 1146 as St. Henry the Exuberant. Now at one point around 1017, Kunigund became gravely ill, vowing to found a Benedictine monastery in Castle if she were to recover. She did indeed recover and upheld her vow, but her husband died before the work was completed. Kunigund was briefly regent of the empire after Henry's death in 1024, but soon retired to a monastery of Benedictine nuns called Kaufungen Abbey in Hesse. She died in 1040 and was buried at Bamberg Cathedral next to her husband. She was canonised in 1200 by Pope Innocent III based on her works of miracle, and she's widely venerated, namely in Detroit, Lithuania, Poland, Germany and of course Luxembourg, where the parish church of Clausen is still dedicated to her. Willebrod and Kunigund are thus the patron saints of Luxembourg, but there are several other saints with links to the country. Pierre de Luxembourg was a member of a junior branch of the House of Luxembourg who was Bishop of Metz from 1384 to 1387, and he was beatified in the 15th century. Saint Ansbald of Prüm, meanwhile, was also said to have been born in Luxembourg. Now, the Catholic tradition in Luxembourg would survive the tumults of the Reformation, partly due to a strong Jesuit presence. The veneration of the Virgin Mary was influential in Luxembourg, with the building of the Notre Dame de Luxembourg Cathedral from 1613. The religious and indeed geographical landscape of the duchy was dominated by powerful abbeys until the French Revolution came along and abolished most of the old monastic orders. Rather surprisingly, however, Luxembourg never came under a unified religious authority until the mid-19th century, when the Diocese of Luxembourg was created, and in 1988 it was finally raised to an archbishopric, which it remains to this day. And even today, the great majority of the Luxembourgish population still follow the teachings of the Catholic Church. 
Although precise numbers are not available, as it is actually illegal for the government to collect statistics on religious identity, approximately 65% of Luxembourgers consider themselves to be Catholic. The Protestant population of Luxembourg was negligible under the Ancien Régime, and even the inauguration of the Protestant William I as Grand Duke in 1815 did little to encourage conversion. Protestant numbers did slowly climb thanks to German immigration in the late 19th century, and it has continued to rise primarily due to expats such as Anglicans from the UK, Lutherans from Scandinavia or Evangelicals from the United States. Around 3.5% of the Luxembourgish population today is Protestant, and there are similar levels of Orthodox Christians in the country, most of whom arrived from the Balkans during the wars of the 1990s. The largest religious minority is the Muslim population at about 3%. Again, the first Muslim arrivals were from Kosovo and Albania, but they have been joined in recent years by North Africans and more recently Syrians. Numbers of Hindus and Buddhists have also risen in recent years, but one population remains far lower than its historic high, the Jews. Jews in Luxembourg have historically faced persecution ever since records first begin of them in 1276. For instance, they were scapegoated for the Black Death and formally expelled in 1391. They were not allowed back in until the French Revolution destroyed the old duchy, and the Jewish community flourished between the 1790s and the 1930s when it became home to many fleeing German Jews. But as we've previously covered, 1,200 Jews were killed by the Nazis, and their numbers have never recovered to their pre-war highs of around 4,000. Despite the low level of anti-Semitism in Luxembourg, less than 2,000 Jews live in the Grand Duchy today. In recent years, religion has once again become a controversial topic here, as the biggest group of non-Christians in Luxembourg are agnostics and atheists, who together form around a quarter of the population and have been active in calling for a separation of church and state. And in 2009, the constitution was changed to allow Grand Duke Henry to only promulgate, rather than give his assent to, the laws of the government. This came in response to a bill on euthanasia which the Grand Duke felt was in contravention of his Catholic faith. And that shows that questions of religion still remain of vital importance in Luxembourg today. That's all we've got for today. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode of the Luxembourg History Podcast. This episode was based off articles by Natalie Lodi. Script adaptation and hosting by Thomas Tutton. Produced by Martin Johnson and brought to you by RTL Today. 